We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We all know the trade deadline is approaching on Halloween day. And let me tell you, rumors are swirling around the Ravens and who they may try to pick up. One of them is about Titans running back Derrick Henry. We're going to take you through a full comprehensive list of potential trade targets that are out there. And that was put together by the Athletics' Jeff Zarebeck. I am Sarah Ellison alongside Bobby Trossett. It is Friday, October 27th, and this is your morning Ravens update from Inside the Vault. Brought to you by the, this episode's small business Patreon title sponsor at High Grounds Cafe. Bobby, there's something brewing in Baltimore. There certainly is. There was something brewing in the locker room. Roquan Smith was back <laughs> at practice Thursday, and he made it very clear, Sarah, in a classic, unique fashion of letting us know that he will be playing on Sunday. So mark your calendars accordingly and get ready for that. Plus, Todd Munkin responded to Kurt Warner's analysis on the passing offense still being clunky, which we covered earlier this week. Yeah, we did. And we're also going to dive into the Ravens matchup against the Arizona Cardinals this Sunday and against, as we all know, former Ravens wide receiver Marquise Brown. And then finally, 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 we'll talk about RJ3, RG3, who had some old memories with himself, Joe Flacco and Lamar Jackson, that Bobby stirred up a little drama on Ravens Twitter <laughs> on Thursday morning. And this time, it was not intentional. Okay, I promise yeah. you. We have all of that more coming up. Thanks for waking up with the Morning Vault, where you get the most important Ravens news and our opinions in about 30 minutes. Let's get to it. Brian McFarland, Ravens salary cap analyst, writes for Russell Street Report. He does it all. Awesome follow. You can find him on Twitter at Raven Salary Cap. We've had him on the show before. I had him on one of my lunch hour live streams earlier this week, and we talked about this. With the trade deadline approaching, keep in mind, as he wrote on Twitter, the Ravens presently have eight picks in next April's draft. We're talking about just compensation-wise in terms of the capital that they have available. Their own first, second, third, fourth, fifth, and seventh round pick, Sarah. It's not exactly, I'm sure Eric DaCosta is somewhere losing sleep over this because that's not one of his classic double-digit numbers, right? He always right. likes in that 10 to 11 range, but this is not that. They have the Jets seventh, we know, from the Chuck Clark, Chuck Clark acquisition in free agency. Actually, that wasn't free agency, but um, 
And they're also expecting a fourth round compensatory selection from Ben Powers departing for Denver last year. That was in free agency. They traded their sixth for Andrew Voorhees, we all remember. And then they have their own picks, seven of them to be exact in 2025. So this is just important information, logistically speaking, for what the front office has available as we, like you said at the top, close in on next week's trade trade deadline. Brian went on to say they currently have 2.8 million available in cap space. That increases weekly by 330,000 each week that Tyus Bowser, uh, Nick Moore, and Andrew Voorhees stay on the non-football injury list. They can create 13 million via simple restructures. I believe those are players like Ronnie Stanley, right? Marlon Humphrey. Am I missing anybody? Maybe Mark Andrews is on that list. But uh, And then there could be be more potentials there if they were to add void years. But as Brian says, uh, keep in mind that the Ravens have a very tight caps situation in 2024 and a lot of key free agents, which we've discussed. Justin Matabike, Patrick Queen, Odell Beckham Jr., Kevin Zeitler, Geno Stone, and then a potential trade acquisition. Restructures will not help that and will make 2024 even tighter. So any takeaways from this supplemental information that Brian required before we kind of get into the, the candidates? Yeah, I think it's good to have that big picture as we get into the candidates so you know what the Ravens have to deal. I'd say all in all, they don't have a ton of like extra picks or extra money sitting around. Uh, but the cupboard also isn't bare. So if they were in love with somebody, then you might be able to pry out of Eric to cost his hands, you know, a, a valued pick. There seems to be a couple seventh rounders kind of lying around, but outside of that, no sixth rounder. And then just one in each, in each round. And then I think his point is good to say that there's guys that you need to sign. So whoever you trade for, just know that, like if it's like a Roquan Smith situation where they're finishing out the final year and you may want them long-term, remember that's just another person you have to choose from. There's Matt Abike and PQ and all that. So so not a lot of room, but not like Eric DeCosta can't do anything either. So let's all get right, so, to Jeff's piece. Yeah, so I, I really enjoy Jeff's piece. What he did is he kind of broke down list of candidates in three different categories. So he's got the first category, which is the right player and the right price. So these are guys that it's like, yeah, this might work. Then there's, Hey, there's guys that are available, but are they really an upgrade? So is it worth giving up anything for them? And then the last one is like, okay, doesn't hurt to dream. So as you can see here on his first uh, list of right player, right price, he's got Derek Henry running back from the Titans, running back Josh Jacobs from the Raiders, edge defender Daniil Hunter from the Vikings, defensive end. How, how am I? I don't know if I'm going to pronounce this right, Bobby. Help me out so I don't embarrass myself. I, I think it's Danico Autry. Okay. I knew it was Danico. I didn't know about Autry. Okay. And then wide receiver Cortland Sutton from the Broncos. Uh, Bobby, we, we have heard rumors that the Ravens are interested in Derrick Henry, correct? Yes, according to A to Z Sports and, and a one of their columnists, a guy named by the name of uh, Buck, if I'm not mistaken here. Let me just make sure I get his name right, speaking of speaking of names. Well, as you're looking it up, I know that you're in contact with him because you wanted to have him on the show based off of what he's hearing about the Ravens and, and, and the Henry connection here, correct? Yep, Buck Reesing is his name. He writes for mm -hmm. A to Z Sports. Uh, he actually is on the radio as well down there in Nashville, 104.5 The Zone. And so basically, he, in his piece, he put together that, 
according to his reports, according to his sources, the Ravens are the team, quote, most interested. That was the 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 language that he used, most interested in potentially acquiring Derrick Henry ahead of, ahead of next week's trade deadline. Now, what's important to note here, and I'm going to go back to defer to, to Brian here, Brian McFarland. He went back and forth with, with some guys on Twitter just in terms of what this would take. John Garbaugh, who follows Brian, tweeted at him and said, is Derek owed another $10 million the rest of the year? Not great on cap math. $10.5 million base and $16.37 million cap hit, according to Over the Cap. And Brian came back and said, the Ravens would be responsible for 11 eighteenths or 10 eighteenths of Henry's $10 million salary, depending on whether he was acquired this week or next, John then followed up with him and said, I see he has void years too. Would they inherit those? And this is an important one. And I know you're all over this when it comes to the Ravens' tendencies, um, you know, contractually speaking, void years wise. Brian said, No, those are for money already paid to Henry. So those are Tennessee's responsibility. The Ravens would only inherit Henry's remaining salary. So he is a pending free agent. I think you mentioned that at the top, which is an important piece to note here, right? Because if you bring him in, sure, it could be a rental, but if you're giving up a lot, you better be sure that uh, you're either going to go, you know, you're going to chase a Super Bowl run this year, which we all believe if Derek ends up in Baltimore, then they're only going to be more explosive offensively and more dangerous. Uh, but then you got to figure out, okay, moving forward, are we going to make sure this guy's awarded with a contract extension? He turns 30, I might add, in January. Of of this list, I, I I like a lot of guys on this list. Like if the, if, I mean the right player, right play, price. I think Jeff did a great job of of narrowing it down. But on that list, my 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 favorite is actually Derrick Henry, if the price is right. So we know the money side. Here here's how I feel about it. If uh, obviously the Titans would have to even gobble up. I know that the Ravens only have to do like what did he say, ten eighteenths or whatever the the number was. Of, of his salary. So that's already knocking it down, but I would like the Titans to take on even more, just like the bears did for Roquan Smith. So I would like to see that. Now here's my thinking on what to give up for him. I've seen people all over the place saying they'd be willing to give up close to a second or two thirds or this and that here. You have to look at it from the Titans point of view, the Titans, if, if they're going to trade him and it looks like they're in the business of doing so, cause they've already traded away um, safety, Kevin Byard. Okay. So they seem to be, willing to sell people and they're getting ready for a rebuild. So the question the Titans have to ask themselves is, is how much can I get out of Derrick Henry? If I just hang on to him and hold on with him for the rest of this season. And basically you pay for the rest of his salary. And then he goes to free agency. If you're not going to resign him, then based off of that, you might be able to get a compensatory pick. Now we noted that powers who got a four-year, $50 million deal. Brian noted that Powers is worth a fourth, we're projecting a fourth-round compensatory pick. That's on a four-year, $50 million year, or $50 million total. And Powers is starting every single game in Denver. There is no way Derrick Henry is going to get a contract that big. I don't think that Derrick Henry, uh, maybe I'm wrong because this is all projections, but I don't see Derrick Henry becoming a fourth round compensatory pick for the Titans. To me, he think of the running back market and what they're paying for people who are over 30 years old. He turns yep. 30 soon. Yep. So to me, 
I would like to see the Titans pick up a good chunk of the remaining of his contract. And at most, me, I'm giving a fifth rounder. Having watched what they have at the running back position in London, they got a young rookie. Remember that Spears kid? He was mm-hmm. running all over the field. So they're in good shape, but obviously they got to make a decision based on where they're at right now. So that's the right player, right price category for, just, for Jeff. Yes, just real quick, a couple of notes on these other guys. Uh, Sutton, the Ravens went after him last offseason, but I don't really see a place for him now on the wide receiver crew. Uh, Danico, I'd be all for that, by the way. Again, depending on the right price, if it's the right price, I like that. Bring in more on the defensive line. Daniel Hunter, I don't buy that he's really open. In fact, Jeff noted that. The Vikings upset the 49ers, and they're now two games out from first place. I and and they're starting to come alive. Um, trying to remember, kid out of USC that they drafted wide receiver. He seems to be coming alive. I can't believe I'm not remembering his name. Um, Josh the, Jacobs. I'm sorry, I, I was looking at something else. What's the team you're referring to? The Vikings. Um, wide receiver USC Addison. He's oh, he's uh he's starting to come alive. So I'm not so sure Daniel Hunter's available, and I don't know if Josh Jacobs really is either. But either of these Tennessee guys, I'd be for. So I just wanted to wrap that up on on the on that list. I think Addis. Yeah, okay. He started his career at Pittsburgh, then went to USC. Gotcha. Okay. So all right. So do you want to get to the next category within Jeff's piece? Yeah. So the next category is these guys are available, and you know that because there's reports swirling. I mean, national guys, local guys have all said it, or they've they've been like close before on on the off season. So he's got uh, wide receiver Kendrick Bourne, running back Clyde edwards alaire running back Antonio Gibson from the Commanders, edge Carl Lawson, Jets, wide receiver Terrence Marshall Jr. over at the Panthers, and then finally offensive line Cody Whitehair for the Bears. I think these guys are all appropriately put in a category of, are they really an upgrade? What do you think? Agreed. Agreed. I, I read this whole piece from Jeff. I thought it was spot on. And, you know, to me, they've they've spent their – they're both their free agency dollars and and they've spent their draft capital on that position. They've already seen it pay dividends. Obviously, there are guys out there that are rumored to be available like a Devontae Adams that would come in and immediately upgrade the entire room. But how realistic is that? You know, that guy from a price tag standpoint, I know he wants out of Vegas. He's made it abundantly clear he wants out of Vegas, but that would be an absurd price tag. And I just don't know if that's the the best you know, financial decision they can make right now. The, the next one through Jeff is, is you know, doesn't hurt to dream. So the category that might be a little lofty, if you will. Saquon Barkley, you mentioned this. I don't. I think you had a slide on this in yesterday's vault. We just didn't get to it from a timing standpoint. But Brian Dable, head coach. Here it is, yeah. Brian Dable, yeah. head coach of the uh, New York Giants. This is from Dan Duggan, who covers the uh, the Giants for the Athletic. He tweeted out that Dable said someone told him last week there were some trade rumors out there about Saquon. So he walked up to him at walkthrough and said, quote, that's not happening. So for whatever it's worth, Saquon staying put in New York. Edge Brian Burns for the Panthers. That's generated some buzz in recent weeks for the Ravens. Jerry Judy, we know that things in Denver aren't exactly great for him or the team at large. Pat Sertan. As Jeff notes, this is, again, this is a lofty one in in Pat's case. I mean, elite cornerbacks who are that young like he is, that's very rare. These guys are going to be on the move. And then just south of us, Edge, Chase Young, we all know for the commanders, one of the game's great talents that uh, that has an exact, well, his career, he's been banged up. 
but things have not panned out for for Washington as just an overall organization yet in this Ron Rivera era that we're in. My jaw would drop if the Ravens got any of these. Certainly yeah. wouldn't hate it. <laughs> you know, who knows? But I mean, some of these price tags would be crazy high. Uh, Jerry Judy, he's on. He's going to be thirteen million next year. That's why I think he's not realistic. Out of all of them, though, I think that Chase Young would be my favorite. Like, if they were going to dream, I would dream him the most because he's still young. He's only twenty four. I feel like his rest of the year is only sixty one thousand per per week versus Hunter. Hunter was on a different one. Hunter would be a lot more. He'd be six hundred forty three thousand per week. So I, I and I would like to have you know young long term. So to me that would be my favorite. But like I said, I'm not I'm not crossing my fingers on any of these guys. And before we get to sort of the injury situation from Thursday going into the weekend, I should probably just add off the top here to close up the conversation that if the Ravens really feel, and they've met, they've mentioned this many times, both indirectly and directly, that this is their window, right? They, mm-hmm. they Indirectly, it was based on what they did this offseason. Directly, it was the, the changes they vowed to make at the end of last year. Right. And so they've done they've done those things. They've put themselves in a position, whether it be through the offensive coordinator upgrade, the the contract extension to Lamar, making him feel loved, rebuilding around him, whatever it might be. They're they're sending us a message. They feel like the time is now. If that continues to be the case, which we have no indication that it wouldn't be getting Derrick Henry would be the latest step to doing that. I get it. He's on the will be on the other side of 30 at the end of this season when postseason begins. I believe it's like the first couple of days of January he turns 30. But we all know this is this dude's called King Henry for a reason. He's one of the most destructive, explosive, game-wrecking backs that's ever played the game. And just ask Earl Thomas about that. I'm not sure he's recovered from that stiff arm yet from a couple of years ago. But uh, so, so add me to the boat that you're in, Sarah, with being very, very intrigued by the potential of this being the case. The Ravens are the most interested team. We'll find out just how much that interest is over the course of the next couple of days leading into the deadline. All right, so let's move into kind of news of the day of, of Thursday. The big news, awesome news, is Roquan Smith with that shoulder was back at practice. Uh, so little scare there, but he seems to be fine. Uh, when he was, <laughs> he went to go talk to him, the reporters in the locker room afterwards he said to them, I told the guys, as long as the sun rises on Sunday and the NFL don't cancel any games, you'll see me out there. Then he put on a black cowboy hat and said, he's ready to play out West. Bobby, this is hilarious because PQ got a little video of Roquan in this cowboy hat. Check this out. Hey, bro. Yeah, big homie. I'm so I'm going to go rock this one here out with you Sunday. You know, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. I'm going to rock out. <laughs> and there we have it the content for monday when we have him on back inside exactly the forward to i that. hope he's got his cowboy hat on when we when we talk to him on monday and then obviously one other uh, injury update keaton mitchell with that hamstring he actually returned to practice looks like it was about in a limited capacity still don't really expect him to play sunday but that's good news so the only raven that's not on ir or nfi that was not practicing is safety marcus williams Okay. How about the Arizona perspective here? We know that Kyler Murray has been banged up for a minute now, has yet to play this season with that knee. Things are looking bleak out there in Cardinals world, as you may have heard by now, if you've already 
watched our official preview episode with Cardinals analyst Ed Smith, who gave some good insights on on various things, including Kyler. And uh, Mike McDonald was quoted for saying, uh, in terms of the possibility of facing Kyler, because he is back at practice, he was listed as a full participant on Wednesday, uh, quote, you've got to be ready for him if he's out there. But based on what Ed and some of the other reporters that cover this team inside and out are saying, don't expect to see him. Dobbs should be the guy under center for them. So Munkin, it was pretty cool. So we we um, obviously covered extensively Kurt Warner's analysis on the passing offense. And he, you know, may, mainly called it still kind of clunky. Uh, to me, my takeaway was him saying there was still a lot of meat on the bone and that, you know, not everything was was going smoothly. And it was more Lamar overcoming all of that. So uh, turns out Todd Munkin had seen that video. He watched it. Reporters asked about it, and here was his response. I don't disagree with some of the things he's saying. I think in terms of making sure that we're on point, in terms of your spacing, um, in terms of everybody being on the same page. But do I think that's any different than most weeks? No. You know, I think you can break down anybody and say, hey, I think that was maybe taking the other side of the narrative because it was so much one side, so you go to the other side of the narrative a little bit. I don't think either side's wrong. I think there were certain things we did that were really outstanding that you look at and say, wow, we can build on. And there's other things that will get glossed over because you won, and you'll look at it and go, that's got to be a lot better or we can't be who we want. And it's the same way when you don't play as well. There's things you won't look at, and you'll look at and go, boy, we did that really well, and yet there's things that you won't look at that way because of the way you finished. So I don't disagree with either side of it. There was some elite things we did, and there's some things that for sure we've got to clean up and not just count on that eight's going to run around and make a play, right? He is going to do that. That is what he does. But that's not my job. Our job is to be elite and getting guys in the right spots, calling it, being aggressive, getting the guys in the right spots, and letting our talent shine. I love it. I love the accountability. I love the self-awareness. I love the fact that he actually watched and respects what Kurt has to say. It's an NFL Hall of Famer. It's a Super Bowl champion. And as we already discussed this week, he brought up some valid points. Not a defensive bone in his body. And I swear, Bobby, this is how people are able to like move up in the world. There's no reason to like be... You know, defensive all the time. Uh, so, you know, so, sometimes uh, I try to be that way. Sometimes my knee-jerk reaction is to be defensive too. Uh, really love that, and I love that he said we can't just sit here and count on number eight to make plays for us. He's going to do that, but we can't. We can't rely on that, and our job is to be better. So, um, excellent, excellent answer. I thought um, one other thing that I thought was interesting, um, as we've noted, and people have a lot of people have noted, there seems to be an issue with the handoff. Or, or an option, the, the quarterback option between Lamar Jackson and Justice Hill. Todd Munkin was asked, is there like a recurring theme to why they keep doing this? Obviously, we've got to get it fixed. Um, that one in particular was different than the one, you know, in Cleveland, which was a miscommunication in terms of the play. But uh, obviously, it doesn't matter who the back is. I mean, when you have some QB-driven runs with Lamar's ability to pull it and get on the perimeter, you have to be elite at that part of the game. If you're under center and you're really not QB driven, that isn't a factor. There isn't the read part of it. That element comes into play with the athletic quarterbacks, the guys that can attack the perimeter, and we have to be lead at no matter who that is. 
couple other notes from Munkin before we move on. We'll get into some Zay and Marquise Brown stuff, but he confirmed. Remember, we also we also did this with the quarterback school. Uh, JT O'Sullivan thought that the uh, 80 yarder by Gus Edwards that Lamar dumped it to him. He's like, I swear this was a, a, a naked boot to the left. Munkin confirmed that is indeed what the play call was. These guys are good. They they were in the NFL for a reason. Like these former NFL quarterbacks, uh, they can they can read tape and see what's going on. So he he said that, and then he was also asked like, what made everything come together against Detroit? Like why that week? And Munkin just said that he felt like he had seen progression each game, but then like you know they didn't finish in the red zone against the Titans, and you know there were things, but but they just weren't doing things all the, in the critical situations. And he felt like they had their best practice Wednesday and Thursday heading into that game. And he just, he saw it translate and he said he kind of, his big message was, listen, this is just the beginning. So that was pretty nice. Oh, it's if that's just the beginning, then here <laughs> yeah. we go. It's just the beginning for Zay flowers in Baltimore. And looky here, Zay and Marquise Brown are both leading their respective teams in both receptions and receiving yards. Zay has 39 for 442 and a touchdown. Of course, the one that he scored in London. And Marquise over there in Arizona without Kyler Murray, 32 for 383 and three touchdowns. Our guest, former NFL tight end and current analyst for the Arizona Cardinals, Ed Smith, gave us some good insights just in terms of where Marquise is a couple years after that trade request that ultimately came to fruition on draft night. That is a great question, Sarah, and he would never say he regrets it, but as a former athlete, we always say the things that we, one, expect people to, people expect of us, and will never admit to making a mistake. I guarantee you if he had a do-over, especially with the new offense that came over to Baltimore, you know, yeah, the, the situation here, well, the grass is never greener never is very rarely greener on the other side and you know knowing what he knows now with the changes that were made there the injuries here uh you know new coaching staff uh new philosophy everything here i think he would probably in a dark room with nobody listening would say yeah maybe maybe i wish i had stayed over there because that five and two looks a whole lot better than this one and six over here right now We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So most of us can probably agree. It's just straight up more fun to be there for live Ravens football. And when you need tickets, Ticketmaster's got you covered. As the official resale ticket marketplace of the Ravens, 
Ticketmaster has a wide selection of fully verified resale tickets. Their interactive seat map gives you 360-degree previews of your section to make sure you have the best view of those pivotal plays. And mobile tickets make getting in on game day a breeze. You can even customize your Ticketmaster app to rep your team's colors. Plus, if your plans change, Ticketmaster gives you more flexibility to sell or transfer your tickets. So do yourself a favor and find verified resale tickets today by visiting Ticketmaster.com forward slash Ravens. Check out that whole episode. I thought Ed was fantastic. Gave a lot of good insight. We get in a little bit more uh, with Zay. But over on, I mean, with with Marquise. But with Zay, um, it was interesting because uh, Harbaugh had noted that sometimes, like, he's fantastic, right? But he's still learning the game. So there's a lot of meat on the bone for Zay, too. And I think here's one of them. I love this on Wired uh, that the team put out on Wednesday. They caught this moment on the sideline. This is after Zay opened up. How many yards was that? I feel like it was 50-plus yards uh, on that opening drive where Lamar found Zay. And this is Keith Williams uh, kind of coaching him up and showing him how he could have even, even gotten more. You know what I mean? Today, look, you know you got, you know you got super duper cutbacks, but you ain't always got a big cutback. Cause you, yeah. Cause you, you got cutbacks and you fast. You might just outrun them too. Yeah, well, maybe cut back though, cause when I caught it, I had to stop my feet. You feel me? Like, cause he threw it like to the point where I was like, I seen that part. And then I tried to reboot, but I see him chase me like that. Yeah, so I was like, yeah, I'm like, I gotta peel away from him. Yeah. So I was thinking about cutback, cause he was always remember he's fast enough for yanking and still yeah. go straight. You know what I'm talking about? So I always tell you, when they kind of play like that. You got the ability where well, that could be a touchdown. Yeah. Like, it, 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 it could be more than a big play. That should have been you know a touchdown. You know what I'm talking about? You know what I mean? Like, it's already a big play when you catch it. You got the ability where that's a, that might also be a touchdown. Yeah. And that's not hard for you. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's some good insight there. You know, I, I once had Keith Williams on my show pre-podcasting this a couple years ago with Femi. Femi Ion Badejo, former Raven. Keith has great rapport with his players. He's very creative. And he doesn't talk at you, right? He's talking with you. He's talking for you, as you can see there. I thought that was great. Great capture there by Ravens Productions. All right. Well, let's finish. Uh, well, right before quick hit. So we, <laughs> RG3, I, I kind of was moving through my day. I was actually trying to clean my car. And then my phone starts blowing up. I'm like, what's going on here? RG3 attacked both of us <laughs> on some of his videos from, from my, is it a new podcast? I guess. Um, and, uh, he, he, he was tagged both of us. I know that's what you said, but it sounded like attacked. He tagged both. Oh of us. no. Just, yeah. Just in tagged. case. Just yeah, in case. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, he tagged both of us. And when you're tagged, every time somebody replies to it, it comes up in your mentions. So my phone was going off. I was like, what is Ooh. going on out here? So like, you know, RG three has a few more followers than us, Bobby. There was, there was a lot of responses. <laughs> so anyway, he had written a tweet um, where he was kind of um, remembering and talking about his days of Lamar Jackson's um, rookie year. And this tweet, he says, in 2018, my job was to help rookie Lamar Jackson because everyone knew Joe Flacco, Joe Flacco wouldn't. He was a pro about it, but would only lead by example, and we all understood why. So... Everybody starts, including me, it was like, oh, this feels like it's a random Thursday morning where Joe Flacco's catching some strays. So this was the video that was attached to his tweet. For me as a quarterback in the room with Joe and Lamar, it was awkward. Let's just call it what it was. Brought me in at first to be in that room with Joe, and then they drafted Lamar. 
and really kept me there to help be a mentor for Lamar Jackson. But for him and Lamar, it was more of learn from my example. Okay. So I was wondering if RG3 was saying that Joe was like uninterested in mentoring or because he kept saying it was by example. Are you saying that he was uninterested and wouldn't mentor or that, um, or that Joe just was more a lead by example guy and that's how he mentored and they needed a more vocal guy, which RG3 is very good at doing that. So, uh, RG3 did respond to me and my question on that. He said, Joe was clear. His job was to start and win, not mentor. Uh, this is covering it up for me. That moment on the sideline was groundbreaking and great for us. So the, the moment he's talking about, I think most of our fans or most of our audience has seen that where RG3 and Lamar Jackson is mentoring Lamar Jackson in the middle of a game. And so RG3 was saying that was like a moment that it flipped. So I just want to say this. Originally, I kind of felt like Joe had caught some strays and he did. But then some people had sent me some links. Joe Flacco was clear about it. I don't remember him doing it with Lamar, but... When he went onto the Broncos with Drew Locke, he made it clear. He's like, my job is not to mentor, it's to win. He said the same thing about Jalen Hurts at the Eagles. Yep. So I think it's pretty clear that that is Joe's stance. So I think originally I felt like, whoa, what's this all about? But then I think that in the end, RG3 was right. And I think it was good to have all three of them in there. I think RG3, very vocal, wanted to mentor Lamar. And I think at the end of the day, he made that quarterback room better. Bobby, you know this. I got to go. So I'm going to let you yeah. finish up this topic and do quarterback hits. I'm sorry to leave you uh, rolling, but no, no. Or, yeah. Let's just, but, uh, hey, let's just tell it like it is. You got a lot going on. It's been a crazy <laughs> week. We're starting to record earlier to have more normal lifestyles. So yeah. you do your thing partner and, and we'll talk soon. <laughs> hey, I appreciate you. I know you always got my back. I always have yours. Appreciate no. you. And you want to know why it's the perfect timing? I'm about to share some stories from my time, my first year in the locker room with, it was Robert Griffin III's time perfect. there as backup quarterback. And I'm also going to share uh, what Joe Flacco's people told me earlier today that you don't even know yet. So you're going to have oh. to listen. <laughs> I got to go back and watch the show. All right. All Peace right. out. Thanks, Ravens Martin. win. You watch Ravens win on Sunday, 30 to 10 is my prediction. Peace out. Post game. We'll talk to you soon. That's right. All right. So a, a couple different things here related to that first of all she's the best mother of four as we all know we're taping just to be very clear we're taping just before five o'clock on thursday afternoon and as you all know especially those of you who have kids that is a go 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 time of the day so just to be clear here rg3 i tweeted out a video of i think it was like a two minute clip of his more than five minute clip which again was was this the initial tweet in 2018, my job was to help Lamar because everyone knew Joe Flacco wouldn't. He was a pro about it, but would only lead by example, and we all understood why. If 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 he had to do it over again, and I, and I was RG3, I probably would have tweeted something differently because sometimes the words don't match up with your tone or what your overall message is that you're trying to get across. And while some people, and Sarah included, and I get it because this is what it seemed like, thought that Joe was catching strays. That really was was not RG3's. And, and a lot of people took exception to how Robert tweeted this. So what I did was I found the two-minute clip of more along the lines of, uh, of just what he was referring to, and it sounded like this. One of my greatest accomplishments as an NFL player wasn't us winning the division in 2012 or being rookie of the year or being a Pro Bowl QB. 
one of my biggest accomplishments was in 2019 when Lamar Jackson won MVP. And I got to be a part of that, you know, got to be a part of that. Watch him grow from being a rookie to a second year player, watching him go from being the guy that was, you know, supposed to be the next guy to being the guy. So and just the the end of that, because it's important here, right, is I take no credit for what he's done, but I certainly am proud to have been a part of it. So some people thought that he was just sort of, you know, going about this egotistically trying to, to, you know, spice up what his role and what he's meant to Lamar. I didn't think it that way whatsoever. Again, I, I don't think that is, is RG3 somewhat corny here and there in his post-playing days these days as a broadcaster? Is he wearing all pink suits? You know, all these types of things. Yes, but I do find him to be very genuine. And I got to say, and this is kind of, he was just thanking me here for watching the whole clip because a lot of people were piling on him about what he had to say regarding Joe. I just wanted to quickly share. So in 2019, it was my first year with the Ravens radio team, which meant I spent a lot of time in the Ravens locker room during media availability. And because I was trying to get my feet wet and I was the youngest dude in there by a mile, I spent a lot of time at the lockers of guys that maybe didn't have a ton of media attention surrounding them. One of which was RG three. And so we, we developed a rapport and what I appreciated about that. And I look back at it like this at that time, was he trying to resurrect his career and hopefully get one more starting opportunity in the league? Yes. Did that ever happen? No, it didn't. But what I appreciated is that a guy that had really been at the mountaintop, right, in so many ways as a former Heisman Trophy Award winner, as a former division winner, as a former rookie of the year with Washington, being the franchise guy to then literally being at rock bottom in a sense, even though I know a lot of us out here would think that backup QB is the best possible position you can have in the in the history of time, it's the best job in the world. But when you've been there, when you've been at the top, like RG3 had been, it's difficult to back up a younger a younger player than you, right? Who who was essentially at your at that point was in the shoes that you had once tried to fill in Washington and did so pretty dang well until the injury. So what I appreciated about that is just his maturation process, I think, and the composure and the ability to sort of transition to not no longer being the franchise guy and instead having to play, yeah, a mentor type of role, an educator in a sense, to one Lamar Jackson. And I think there is nobody that's gone to bat more than RG3 has for Lamar when it comes to the audience that he has as a national big-time media member with a big following and I think Lamar appreciates that. Lamar may not express that, but I know they have a good relationship. And I look back at it with uh, with fond memories in terms of what RG3 meant to the organization and, and what he meant to the early part of Lamar's career. All right, a few other things here. Uh, Kyle Van Noy joined the lounge, which was pretty funny. This guy has been doing his media rounds. We're going to have to somehow get him on the vault because he's been on the lounge. He's been on Pat McAfee. He's been on Marlon Humphrey's Punchline podcast. This guy's doing it all. And uh, here's what he had to say about the defense in Baltimore. You're playing like that dude this year, and a lot of guys on this defense are. Yeah. Like, this defense is good. It's legitimate. And yeah. there's a lot of pride Come on this defense. Us. 
You can, yeah, it's, yeah, a, it's a, a podcast. Of, you got a lot of assholes. I got <laughs> 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 like a good way. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Guys that are hungry. Yeah. yeah. I think we're starting to gel together too. That's hysterical. For him to have just been brought in a short while ago and already be producing and, and making an impact on that defensive line speaks to his professionalism. And hey, two-time Super Bowl winner in New England. This guy's got championship pedigree and he wants a third. There you go. These are the threads for the 425 Eastern kickoff on Sunday afternoon in Arizona, State Farm Stadium, see number 89 there. And Mark Andrews, as Sarah noted on Twitter, is leading all NFL tight ends with five touchdowns through week seven. And remember, he did miss the opening game, opening week one uh, against the Texans due to that injury. So that's what's going on there in terms of roster move, Jeremiah Moon, and that is likely, uh, and he, by the way, he's, he's played in four games, made five tackles so far this season. That is likely because there's a corresponding roster move to be had. So that could potentially fill space for wide receiver Tylen Wallace, who's been activated to return from uh, f- you know from IR to practice, and perhaps running back Melvin Gordon, he is out of practice squad elevation. So Keaton Mitchell's probably a week to week thing. I-, I wouldn't expect to see him available Sunday in Arizona. So that would mean the Ravens would need a third running back in the room, and that could very well be Melvin Gordon. So look out for that. I'm sure we'll have news on that come game day. But as always, we do want to make sure that we shout out and thank two of our newest, two of our newest patrons that are supporting everything we're doing here inside the vault through Patreon this month. So Douglas McLaughlin and Brandon Lindsay, we appreciate both of you guys for believing in what we're building here in Baltimore and beyond. If you're interested in doing the same, visit patreon.com forward slash Ravens vault podcast to learn more about what we're offering. The Thursday injury report for the Cardinals just came out from Josh Weinfuss. Uh, for, for the Arizona perspective, Kyler Murray is officially off the injury list after being listed as a full participant on Wednesday. But again, we're still hearing that he will not go on Sunday in Arizona. So that's something to, to monitor. It's either going to be Dobbs the backup or potentially a very surprising one in Kyler Murray. And because all of this is coming out literally as we speak, Roquan Smith with that shoulder was a full participant. Keaton Mitchell was limited. Odell Beckham Jr. with a shoulder and Adafi Owe with the ankle were added to the injury report as limited participants. Nothing to be concerned about there. And again, as Sarah mentioned earlier on in the show, Roquan Smith says he is good to go. And that gets you fired up for week eight in Arizona. So with that, you guys are the best as always. If you haven't already done so, we just hit that big milestone earlier in the year, uh, in the year, earlier in the week, that 10th, that 10,000 subscription mark. Let's make it 20,000. The climb is on. Subscribe to the channel. Like this video if you enjoyed the content. And we will talk to you guys on Sunday. It's a post-game live stream after Ravens Cardinals finishes up. <laughs> <laughs>